Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. If you are new, a very warm welcome. And if you are a returning viewer on YouTube or listener, then thank you so much for your continued support. As always, if there's anything you resonate with in this episode, please share it on your Instagram stories or on Facebook or wherever you share your social media things. And of course, let your friends and family know so we can get this podcast out to more people. Today's topic is five reasons why you shouldn't be taking advice from a competitor. And you might be like, hold up, AIM, but aren't you competing? Like, wouldn't you identify as a competitor? And yeah, I would. And I want to talk to you still about the traps of just taking what a competitor is saying as gospel just because they're a competitor. Another reason is I think if you've been training for a little while and you're on social media in some way, somehow your social media feeds will typically be populated by some competitors. And I know that their discipline is fairly admirable. There are lots of character traits that competitors exhibit, not to mention, you know, we're curious in the way they train, we're curious in the way they eat, we're curious in their physiques and muscle and all those sorts of things, right? And sometimes we can be led astray. And I'm going to dive into, like I said, five reasons why we shouldn't be taking advice from competitors, but really the things to be considering when you're consuming content. And honestly, it's not even from a competitor. It's even from potentially coaches or other people who are training and showing their training and their food and all of those sorts of things on social media because goodness me it is rife I think one of the most interesting things I've seen as a coach this is not in my notes and not part of this podcast but I'm going to say it anyway I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen as a coach in the last couple of years is people um, watching TikTok from completely unqualified sources and then trying to apply those things to their training and nutrition And it's like, maybe there might be a couple of decent things here and there, but it is just not worth the barrage of information when what you really need to be doing is the basics and very well and over long periods of time. And again, I haven't been on TikTok too much. I do have an account. uh, I sort of go in fits and spurts on there. But this goes across the board. This isn't even just for fitness. You would probably see this like in your field. I'm sure there's experts in whatever your field is, say like whatever your career is. If you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, uh, if you're a lawyer, if you're a financial advisor, like I'm sure there are the same, you see the same thing in your industry when you're in TikTok, when you're on TikTok. Just a whole lot of people honestly talking a whole lot of shit because to talk shit on social media now, I shouldn't say that, but to 
produce content consistently on social media will get you views and we're holding that in really high regard these days okay so i just want to provide you with Uh, some things to think about when we're consuming content, especially from competitors. So I'm going to be talking specifically about the like competitor lifestyle, I'll call it. Okay. So number one is going to be the goal. So what's the goal of a competitor? The goal of a competitor typically is going to be (laughs) to place at the very top, if not come first of a show on a particular day, now there might be a string of shows so there might they might be doing multiple shows across a season but it's still to like a peak for the show experience in and of itself it doesn't matter what the competitor looks like an hour before show it doesn't matter what the competitor looks like an hour after the show it matters what it that what they look like when they're standing on stage for whatever show they're on and then you know sometimes competitors might say i don't re- like i want to do this show i don't care as much how i look on this show though you know the big one at the end is the really really important one for me and this could be for like points reasons it could be for if it's an amateur it could be for like um, getting experience before the main show there's lots of different reasons but what i'm trying to say here is the goal is like so acute it's moments of time on stage okay regardless of what people would like to tell you it's it's moments on a stage and again I just want to put that into perspective by saying it doesn't matter what the person looks like an hour before an hour after it matters what they look like in the minutes that they're on stage you might say yeah but what if they're doing like a I'm just thinking of like devil's advocate arguments to this and it's like what if they're doing a night show what if their show is split over two days like those things happen but what I'm trying to say is it's very specific to a particular day or a particular show that they're trying to achieve a look now (laughs) can you imagine going to a coach putting in you know lots of time and effort lots of money as well to a coach for your goal to be completely washed away within two weeks of achieving it, right? I'm pretty sure you'd be very angry. This is almost the point of what a competitor is doing. They can't stay where they're, sorry, they can't maintain their show condition for much longer after the show. And that goes right across the board. There's going to have to be some weight gain, right? It's just right across the board from amateurs to elites, men to women, there's going to have to be some weight gain. Okay. Again, it doesn't have to be too much. Like it really depends. Like for a bikini athlete, it really may not have to be too much weight, but there is going to be some. Now I know for most people who are like, I would say a lifestyle client. So you're not a competitive athlete. That's not what you want. (laughs) You're trying to reach your goal and do your best to maintain that as much as possible. Even at the end of a deficit, right? When we, If we don't have to get stage lean, we should be able to, if we have you know, a, an amount of leanness that we want to get to that's not impinging on our health or our life, we should then be able to maintain that to some degree if we want to post that. You know, we might have people who don't want to, who are like, actually, it's a bit too lean. The lifestyle is too, you know, I have to make too many sacrifices to maintain this physique. I actually don't want that anymore. That's cool. There could be people who are like, yeah, I got there. I'm really happy with that. Maybe they did a photo shoot, but now they're like, you know, what? I actually want to jack on some more muscle. Like I saw, I can see what I look like now that I'm lean, but I want to build some more muscle. But we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, we might be cycling through these goals. But can you see how it's really different from just wanting to 
look a certain way to meet a certain set of criteria on a specific day is totally at odds with the goals of a lifestyle client, which typically for most people is like, I want to get to my quote unquote, you know, goal kind of physique and roughly maintain that for the rest of my life. (laughs) Can you see how there's a huge difference? Okay. So when we're thinking about listening and taking on board everything that a competitor is doing, well, they're trying to get to a, again, meet a set of criteria on a very specific day, on a very specific moment, which is completely different to having these skills and behaviors and action steps that we need to be able to maintain a particular physique over long periods of time. And they're different physiques, right? We can't maintain that show physique long term maybe for a few weeks, maybe for you know a couple of months. Again, if it's a bikini competitor who is going through a multiple number of shows, she still will not look show day ready for um, you know days and weeks. Sorry, I should say for weeks on end. There'll still be need, need to be tweaks um, done at periods of time, even when a competitor is doing multiple uh, multiple shows in a season. You know, they're not show day ready every single every single day of the season. Okay. And, you know, some people get it wrong and and that's what you hear when you hear show day commentary, like people who are just coming in off, right? So I hope that that point has been made clear. The goal of a competitor is very acute. The goal of most lifestyle clients is actually you're hoping that you can achieve something you can sustain for a long period of time. The second one is, and there's absolutely no judgment because this was very much me, okay? So please don't listen to this with, a, with thinking that I'm judging, but there's going to be a whole lot of undisclosed body dysmorphia, un- undisclosed eating disorders, undisclosed disordered eating, and even levels of narcissism. The narcissism one is a really interesting one. And this, I must say, is anecdotal, but it's kind of like a, yeah, of course. I actually ran into an ex-competitor at a gym a couple of months ago. We just happened to be talking. She was so lovely. And we just started talking about uh, university. I, I don't know. We we're just making small talk. And she was saying she had actually started writing a um, PhD on, um, what was it? It was like narcissism in bodybuilding or something of that nature. And the research that she had undertaken had shown that the um, percentage of people with, I think it was like, I don't know if it was actual narcissism or like narcissistic traits or something like that was definitely higher in the bodybuilding population. But again, it's probably one of those things most people hearing that would be like, like, yeah, of course it figures, you know, there's, you're standing up on stage under lights with tan in your undies getting judged by other people. (laughs) Like, of course it makes a lot of sense. Um, So but getting back to the body dysmorphia, eating disorder, disordered eating behavior. So a lot of that, of course, will be undisclosed. And sometimes it can be because maybe the competitor is, is competitor is in denial. Maybe for them, it is actually some form of constructive way of managing these, um, you know, mental health issues, if we're going to call them that. And it's something that we need to be wary of because what we tend to do when we're seeing things on social media as well is make stories up in our head of this person, who they are, what their whole life is like. We um, join the dots, which is what our brains do. And this is why sometimes 
we can find social media quite destructive because we're constantly layering on what we believe to be um, really these fantasy lives on other people where it's like we don't ever think of someone going through the hard times if they're not showing it and we just think that their life is perfect and the same thing there are plenty of competitors who openly speak about this or not plenty. There are some competitors who openly speak about having issues with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And I really take my hat off to those people. It's, it's really beneficial, I think for the community and then people watching the community to be talking about these things. And I actually read something the other day. And again, I don't want to be quoted on this because I, I don't know if it's a hundred percent right or if I misread, but I did read that there is a high tendency for people who compete to suffer from eating disorders and body dysmorphia, okay? But again, it's like if we don't know this and the person isn't disclosing that, there are going to be ways that they speak. There are going to be things that they do, which I'm going to say like a quote-unquote trained eye, but I just mean if you have some experience around people with uh body dysmorphia or eating disorders, you'll be familiar with the kinds of behaviors and the things that people are saying. So for example, let me just try and give you some examples. Again, I'm not trying to diagnose anyone or say anyone who does these things has these issues, but I am just saying it's something to watch for. So body checking, lots of body checking, lots of constant body checking. You might say, yeah, but that's what a competitor does, right? You know, constantly pulling up their t-shirt and showing everyone their abs. But it is just interesting um, to to think about whether, sorry, what place that, that that body checking is coming from. And is it actually an expression of, you know, something's not quite right. Um, any any language around, you know, good food, bad foods, all of those sorts of things, which you might see, or like phobias of certain foods or fear of certain foods. Um, I'm just trying to think of some other ones that are, um, they're escaping me at the moment. But these are examples of these people may not be disclosing those things and may not even realize that there is an issue happening for themselves and they're speaking and showing things through those lenses and then if we start to pick up on those things we're going down a bit of a slippery slope in terms of potentially our own thought process around our own bodies and around our own food okay so you know even someone constantly constantly commenting on weights and you know being upset with higher weigh-ins and all of those sorts of things again you might go that's actually seems relatively normal for competitors but I think that there is a difference between competitors who really just cop it on the chin and let their coach deal with it because I've definitely seen that being evidence I watched there's a few competitors that I watched like their vlogs on YouTube and stuff and you can see their reactions to things like weigh-ins where it's like they don't really care about it. It's like, I just said this off to my coach. It's really interesting. Scale weights up, blah, blah, blah. Let's see what they say. It's a very different response to then like cracking the sads or, you know, your day, your whole day is ruined. And then maybe they're doing things that their coach doesn't know to try and get their weight down. And some, some people are showing this, right? And it's interesting to me. It makes me wonder if the people who are showing it actually don't realize um, what this looks like from an outsider perspective, but just be really wary of that. Okay. The third one is the lifestyle. And I think this is actually quite relevant to me and the way I present potentially online as well. 
So I would say my lifestyle is actually, I don't, I actually think my lifestyle is fairly uncommon. So I am someone who isn't very social. I think most people, a lot of people would actually be far more social than me. I do a lot of things at home. So I work from home. I have a garage gym, although I do have a couple of gym memberships as well. And like my partner is very much into training and all over, you know, do I say like macros and stuff, but like completely understands what I need to do in terms of, you know, competing or like if I'm tracking or whatever goals I have with my coach. Um, Not that I track that often, but in a comp prep situation, I am tracking my food. Um, And then the other thing too is with my family as well. So my mum is, she's had some medical conditions for a number of years, which means she, in terms of her food intake, is very, very simple and very whole food based, I would say. And um, whenever I see mum, so for, you know, big social occasions, Easter and Christmas and that, the food that we consume is is very like it's just whole foods. There's not much of it either. Like she doesn't eat too much food, so there's not really that much food around, which is so different to a lot of people. So a lot of people, and definitely a lot of clients that I'm coaching, uh, you know, there's big families, there's alcohol, there's lots of different foods. Culturally, it's almost unacceptable to not have like three servings of different things. Yeah. Now, if we're looking at competitors across the board, especially the ones who have big followings on Instagram, typically their family will know that they're competing and they're probably not going to be copying much flack or peer pressure from family, especially if there's sponsorships and stuff on the line because they're getting paid to um, live a certain lifestyle. Sometimes, you know, vlog it. Sometimes uh, these people are, are... the competitors are spending a lot of time on social media showing what's happening. Of course, we don't know everything that's going behind the scenes, but they're living a specific lifestyle. And they actually, like I would say, if we're all loving the lifestyle that we're living. It's just really, really uncommon. Okay. And so it's like, typically you might gravitate towards having mostly competitive friends. So again, people are understanding of different things that we might do that could seem really odd to some people. You know, there's just going to be a lot less peer pressure around, again, like having multiple servings of things and all of those sorts of sorts of stuff. But also then we have, you know, the lifestyle that focuses on training and then there's a big focus on recovery as well. And then, like I said, eating a certain way, getting a certain amount of water in and then also sleep. So for those who are serious, of course, there is going to be a big focus on getting plenty of sleep. So you're not going to see, at least in season, I don't know what people are doing off season, but at least in season, you're not going to see those, you know, multiple nights in a row where people are drinking alcohol, getting trashed and all of those sorts of things. I'm not saying that's what everyone wants to do. But in terms of the lifestyle, I would say the lifestyle is really built to make the goal much easier and simpler. So it's like the things that would cause a lot of resistance for other people don't exist in our lifestyles. Like, again, one of them that I can think of for me that I've just spoken about is the way I eat, the way my family eats. It's so basic and it's so simple. And I just have zero peer pressure from anyone. And I wasn't in this situation. Um, A little while ago, I was with like an ex-partner who... There was lots of alcohol around the family and lots of food, lots of alcohol and food. And it was interesting. I don't really think that I'm like a 
confrontational person. But for whatever reason, I was very, very happy to say no. And um, it didn't feel comfortable. And I think that there were definitely friction points in relationships with different people in his family because I wasn't participating. Okay, but now it's all completely gone. And it makes prepping for me like that comp prep I did at the start of the year or mid-year or whatever it was, that just friction was almost zero because I was saying to my coach, nothing has changed except my calorie intake has decreased. That is the only thing that changed for me. I still, you know, eating the same foods, just less, still training exactly the same, still sleeping the same. My social life didn't change. didn't have to tell anyone anything like, hey, I'm going to be prepping. Like it just, you wouldn't know that I was doing it from the outside because it looks the same as my lifestyle year round. But again, the, that lifestyle is, I think, uncommon. Just the, the, the least, sorry, I'm just trying to say like not many friction points at all, right? I don't have many people expecting anything from me that is going to take away from my training goals. And I think for competitors, like I said, especially those with sponsorships and those sorts of things where everyone in their life knows what they're doing is, you know, they've really got to prioritize the gym. They've really got to prioritize their food, especially in comp season, of course. People are, I guess, helping them do those sorts of things. So it's like, you know, where can you eat? What time do you need to train? What time do you need to be home? All of those sorts of things. Whereas if you're not, if you're not a competitor, if people don't know you have these physique goals, and of course, if you're not getting on stage for money and all of those sorts of things, um, and maybe you've just decided to change your lifestyle, there could be lots more friction points, okay? So it could be for, it could be really easy for a competitor to say something like, everyone's got the same 24 hours in a day. I really hate those statements because it's like, well, what if, you know, you have three kids, you're work, you know, you're a single mom and you're working two jobs. You, I'm sorry, you don't have the same 24 hours in the day that a sponsored athlete who is, you know, maybe single and child free has. It's totally different. Okay. So this point number three was really about lifestyle and having to think about what your lifestyle entails, what your priorities are, and then the competitor's lifestyle, where their priority, especially during comp season, their competing is probably going to be number number one or number two up there in the list of priorities, okay? All right, number four is performance-enhancing drugs, so PEDs. Now, I'm this is not my area of expertise at all. I'm not going to pretend I know much about this, but there are a few things that I think people don't realize with people who are taking performance-enhancing drugs. So the first one is it's completely rife in the industry, and I didn't know this at all when I first became a personal trainer. And after my first show, uh, I competed in a federation, the, uh, both of them actually, which were drug-free. And I've not had to do a test. Actually, it's so interesting. I came third in that first in that federation I did the first time I competed, and I didn't have to drug test. But I've got a feeling it's because it wasn't in an open class; it was in like a novice class that I came third. But interesting aside. But what? Uh, sorry. So let me just say that there are so many more, more people taking performance enhancing drugs and unfortunately again i think it's due to a lot of it's due to judgment and sponsorship issues of you know people not wanting to lose sponsorships and people not wanting 
wanting to be judged as not having put in any hard work because you still need to put in effort even if you are taking drugs. Like I, I do know that, and, and this was kind of my opinion, first of all, when I heard about drugs, it's it's kind of like, oh, they're cheating, they're cheaters, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's completely not the case. You still have to work your ass off taking PEDs. I think the frustrating thing for people is when people say that they're, they haven't taken anything and they're not taking anything and they clearly have, and they're selling whether it's workout guides or train with me apps or whatever saying that they're like completely natural and if you train like me you'll look like me that's just so I really can't stand that number one train this it's just so silly to like train like someone look like someone genetically you're gonna look like you (laughs) it might be more fair to say uh, you know my training is like hypertrophy focused but muscle growth focused so if you if you want to do that you'll be able to build muscle compared to if you want to say entering a powerlifting competition which is focused on you know a 1RM for the squat the bench and the deadlift like okay let's do a program that's that's t- targeted towards those goals it's not like train like a powerlifter look like me um and it's same thing you know crossfit or whatever it's like you're going to get better at that skill or you'll seek the adaptation but I think it is really important to say more people than you realize are taking performance enhancing drugs and unfortunately bikini girls take performance enhancing drugs. I think that there was just this impression that they don't and they do. It's more so that maybe they wouldn't have to, like you probably don't have to, to be a decent bikini competitor. But again, um, I don't know all the ins and outs of you know what the Olympians are doing um and who's taking what but it's rife okay it is rife and I think a lot of females get really upset because they've been training for multiple multiple months multiple years they maybe even have been tracking their food for that time and have been really diligent and they don't look like the people that they look up to and number one their genetics are going to play a big deal in this for sure but also you've got to remember you just never know what people are taking you could be idolizing women who are taking all sorts of performance enhancing drugs okay now the other thing that comes with that is improved recovery so depending on the performance enhancing drugs and maybe i should get um, someone else who knows a lot more about (laughs) pds to jump on and explain this and explain the process processes as to why because i can't but improved recovery and ability to consume more food, which of course will help with recovery, but will also help with building muscle mass. And there are also different um, PEDs that help with um, body fat as well. So keeping you leaner uh, or keeping you, yeah, keeping you leaner than if you weren't assisted. Okay. So we're looking at like improved recovery, ability to consume more food um, and ability to be, be leaner, burn through more body fat. Okay. So, and this is another thing too, especially with like the improved improved recovery and even the consuming more food, right? You might be seeing someone's competitor's macros and be like, oh my God, I can't believe they're, you know, eating so much food. And potentially one of the reasons why is through performance enhancing drugs. Could be genetic, could be how much they're moving, could be how much volume they do. Like you don't know for the reasons, but just keep that in mind. And even the same with recovery as well, just their ability to handle that, you know, different different amounts of training volume too. They're going to be more equipped to do those things. This may be something you've never thought about, you've never considered before, okay? 
And this might even be for people who aren't competitors, but maybe are fitness models like multiple photo shoots or say they're doing lots of photo shoots. Maybe they're modeling for a particular fashion labels and they're a social media influencer. You just don't know. You know, these people have contractual obligations to look a certain way year round or else they're going to get dropped. Okay, so please remember that there are other considerations for why they might go to these ends to take certain things is to meet their contractual obligations and they're not going to tell you that. Sometimes, and this is where I don't like it, I think it's pretty pretty unethical, is where they're they're saying they don't. They actually, not, not those who are silent, actually, whatever, if they're silent on it, that's fine. But if they're actually going out saying, like, I don't take anything and train like me, buy my booty guide, buy my this, that's where I start to think that personally, I think that that's unethical. Uh, But just have a think about it. Have a think about the language that they're using, how they're showing up. Are they always super, super lean? (laughs) Are they always super, super jacked, especially as a female? Just question that. And the last one is that, more often than not, there may be no education backing them. So this isn't always the case. So I'll give myself as an example. I'm a coach and a competitor. And help. there can be shitty coaches, shitty coaches who are competitors, shitty coaches who coach competitors. And competitors, some of them are, are you know, amazing. They're the best in the world. And sometimes you hear some of the things their coach comes out with and it's like that is some of the most outdated shit that I've ever heard. And so you just have to understand, especially if you're getting a lot of like, this is what's worked for me, this is what I've done, you're not getting principles. And for anyone who has worked with me, whether it's in an education course or a coaching setting, you'll know that I am a principles first kind of coach or mentor, whatever you would like to call me. So what does this mean and why do I do that? So the reason we go with principles first is because there's more often than not one way to skin a cat, but there's going to be an overarching principle. So for example, with fat loss, the overarching principle is energy balance and that we need to be in a calorie deficit. And then there are multiple different ways that we can do that depending on the person, right? There are so many different ways we can do things. And it's like when you're just watching a competitor without any you know, maybe that you're getting context, but without the principle and you go, okay, they look like that. They're eating this. That means I need to. So this is exactly where I started my like physique journey, I would say back in 2014, 2015. So before I was a qualified PT, I was on bodybuilding.com. I wonder if anyone knows what bodybuilding.com is, but um, there used to be like, I don't know if they still have it. It's like a forum where you, you know, lots of people, you just write in, you find like a page and you write in, And there would be photos of people and they would just go through their diet. So it would be like oats and egg whites, chicken and broccoli, chicken, rice and broccoli, and then a protein shake, uh, maybe some nuts and dark chocolate. Like that was their diet. And then they would have photos of themselves in it. So you would go, okay, so this, this chick is like super shredded and this is what she's eating. So therefore this is what I need to eat without any overarching principle of, you know, I had no idea what energy balance was. I had never heard the term calorie deficit before. I just thought, okay, so if she looks like this and she's eating this, that means I have to eat this to look like that. You know, there was not even a consideration of like her genetics and my genetics. Um, there wasn't really even a con- yeah consideration. Yeah, I just had no idea. I was going to say like training volume and exercise selection, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, just zero. 
So please remember when you're hearing someone say, oh, I intermittent fast. Oh, I do fasted cardio. Oh, I do, you know, some extravagant recovery technique or recovery session, you know, with like, man, back in the day, there was this cryotherapy buzz, like when I was competing back in 2016. As far as I know, there is no evidence to support any improved recovery through cryotherapy, but a whole lot of influencers were getting paid to advertise that they were doing cryotherapy, okay? So just be very, very wary of who you're watching and what they're doing and just try and find some research papers and not just one because if you find one, there's probably going to be one that would support a lot of things. Try to find maybe a meta-analysis if you can of the topic if you're if you're wanting to start something that is going to cost you time and money and effort. <laughs> but please just be wary that, again, if a person is using a lot of anecdotal evidence and they're not a coach, so it's just maybe my coach told me this or this is what I am doing, rather than copying that thing blindly, you might ask yourself, like, do I know what the overarching principle is of whatever topic it might be, of fat loss, of recovery, of stress relief, you know, of training? What are the overarching principles? And if you don't know, you know, you can drop into my inbox and ask me uh, or you can figure it out, you know, in somewhere online because their information will be free somewhere online but it is really really important that we don't just take what these people are saying for gospel just as gospel just because of the way they look because like I said before there are multiple ways to skin a cat and there are multiple people ending up in hospital and there are multiple people ending up with some really horrible lifestyle behaviors that they'll come out and talk about later And there are some people who are doing things and their mental world is crashing down around them, but they can't say say as much because of sponsorships and those sorts of things. And they need that to keep a roof over their head. Okay, so this kind of got a little bit serious towards the end there, didn't it? But I really did just want to start to open your eyes to what you're seeing and what advice you're taking and not just to hear it and go, oh, this person looks like this, therefore everything that comes out of their mouth, I need to apply to my own particular situation. Like I said before, the goals are completely different. You need to think about your lifestyle and what you prioritize and what's important to you. You need to understand that there might be undisclosed, you know, narcissistic traits, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, disordered eating. There might be undisclosed performance enhancing drugs, okay? And the person in the person themselves may have no idea of the overarching principles. They've just been told to do something and they're doing it and it's working for them. All right. So I hope that this has helped shed some light, especially coming to the end of the or it's it's now we're probably like a month after the end of comp season. Um, but especially as like the comp start ramping up for season eight again. So like my prep starting soon, a lot of people will be starting prep soon for season A. So no doubt you'll be seeing stuff online uh, from competitors and, you know, giving them a sneaky peek of what's happening in, in the back end for them. But please refer to this list when you're viewing this content to make sure that you are staying sane, staying in your own lane and keeping the focus on the things that you know you need to do that will produce results without making anything any more complicated than it needs to be. With that being said, again, if you love the episode or resonated, please hop into my DMs. I would love to hear from you. 
and I'll see you next time. 